Well, good morning and welcome to part four of our series called Light of the World. And we, we named it that because of Christmas, Jesus is the light that came into the world. But we're also walking through John's letter, 1 John. You know, he wrote the Gospel of John, but he also had three letters, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. We're in the letter, 1st John, written to believers. And he talks about Jesus being the light. Actually, that was the first thing we learned is this metaphor of light versus darkness that has been used throughout history, really, throughout the Bible, about good being the light, about God being the light of the world. And in in John, it says that Jesus is the light of the world, extinguishing darkness. And so that metaphor rolls throughout Scripture. And then we we are called children of the light. That's what John calls us. He he talks about this letter is full of what it means to live as children of the light, as, as God's children following Jesus, following the path that he laid out for us, and reflecting that light. And the second thing that we learned is this new old covenant. If you remember, we talked about that, this old covenant that went all the way back to Leviticus when it said about loving your neighbor as yourself. And then Jesus took it to another level. And remember, our one of our our core verses, our, our purpose is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, body, and soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus told us that, the greatest commandment. But Jesus took love to another level. He, he told us that when we truly love somebody, when we show that love, we're willing to lay down our lives for our friends, for the people that we love, for the people that are around us, because that's what Jesus modeled, Right? He came into the world. That's what we celebrate. We celebrate his death at Easter. He came into the world at Christmas, but he came in to lay down his lives for you and me for our sin. That's what he did. And so we we have this new old covenant, which is to love our neighbor as ourselves, to love the people in our church, our community, but not only just our church, but the people around us with that same love and respect That's that new old covenant. It goes to another level, which is what makes it new. And then last week, we talked about our identity, where we place our trust, where we place our value, who we are, not in stuff and and accomplishments and and our children and our family. And those things are a part of us. But our identity is found in Jesus. It's found in our relationship with him, knowing that we are God's possession, that we are his adopted children, we are adopted into his family, and we are his heirs. We inherit all of God's kingdom. That's pretty amazing, right? It's not that he created us to, to lord over us or to make us slaves. He adopts us into his family as if we are his own children. Because we are, we're his children. And so we've, that's what we've learned so far. And we're going to go on to the next thing that John talks about, and I called it warning signs. And what came into my mind as I read through the passage, this is this show goes even before my time. So I, I'm going to say I'm going to date myself, but look, this, this show aired before I was born. But there's a show called Lost in Space. And if you've ever seen Lost in Space, this family is stranded on this planet, and they have this robot that was there and, and this young boy, Will Robinson. And, and you would hear there would be something bad was about to happen. They were going to be attacked or whatever, lost on this planet. 
and the robot would go kind of get really anxious and, and go, danger, Will Robinson, danger. And that's kind of what I pictured when I read the passage today, or even warning signs that we find on the road. And our first point today is warning signs. And I'm going to talk about that a little bit. We see signs on the road, like if you drive up through the Smoky Mountains, you see a sign that says falling rock, a yellow sign, because yellow means it's warning, caution. There'll be a yellow sign there that says falling rock. That's all it says. And then you drive around those weaving paths, you see these big boulders on the side of the road that, that have broken off and fall down. You'll see things like slippery when wet. Talking about that, hey, if you come into this corner too fast when it's wet, you could slide off the road. Some of the other signs that you see are picture of a deer or a bear. Uh, I was driving to Savannah last week and, and was going through this section of National Forest and there was a sign and it was on I-10, or I wasn't going to Savannah, I was going to Jacksonville, Florida, and on I-10 there it says bear next 30 miles, has this bear sign next 30 miles. There are warnings that those things be on the lookout for them. Be aware. You don't have to stop. You don't have to pull over, but you need to be aware. Use caution. Go into it knowing that these obstacles could be in your way to be safe. And that's what John is doing here. We're going to be in chapter 2. We're going to start with verses 18 and 19, and we're going to kind of walk through this a little bit. But I want you to hear this. 1 John chapter 2, verse 18 says, Dear children, the last hour is here. You have heard that the Antichrist is coming, and already many such Antichrists have appeared. For this we know that the last hour has come. These people left our churches, but they never really belonged to us. Otherwise, they would have stayed with us. When they left, it proved that they did not belong to us. So that danger, danger, it's a warning. Hey, look out. There are people that are out there that are going to distort the truth. They're, they're walking away from what we've taught them. Now, I know what you're thinking. You read this and you see, well, they left our church, so they must be wrong. This was a different time than what we live in. We live in a time, especially in the Southeast, our little bubble, where there's churches on every corner, sometimes two or three. And people change churches all the time. And, and I've said before that I believe people are called to a church. I believe that God calls you to a church family because you fit into that family. You have a place there. You have a purpose there. It's not just like we're shopping for a car. Well, this week I want to go to this church. Next week I want to go to that. No, we get planted because it is a family. It's a community. And there's a church that meets across the street from us. Good friends, their pastor, High Point Church, Andy King. He's in my prayer group. We meet twice a month. So we have, we man, great church. I would be happy with anybody going to that church, but we both, we have a place to fit into the community. So I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about somebody leaving our church and going to another church. What John is talking about, what was happening, remember, they were that in many places, there was only one group of believers because Christianity had just started. It was just, you know, probably 30, 40, 50 years old at that point. And so as it was growing, there was only maybe one or two fellowships but people were leaving the fellowship and they were teaching things that went against who Jesus is and the gospel. And that's where John, that's what John is addressing. That's what 
we were talking about, now he talks about the Antichrist, and we, we think of the Antichrist, and, and I don't know about you, but especially when I was younger, before I read scripture more, before I understood, I pictured the Antichrist as being like a Hitler-type figure, or this great political figure that does a lot of damage and destruction. And, you, you know, that person that you just, in your gut, knows, man, that, that person's evil. But when you read this, he's talking about this Antichrist, that there are many, and that is a theme throughout Scripture, that there, there are many that have come out of our own churches, that are teaching a gospel. They're, they're basically what Peter talks about as false teachers. Every New Testament writer talks about this. They're teaching things that are similar, but that aren't accurate. They're not out of the Scripture. And that's where this picture comes in. Look at verses 20 through 23. It says, But you are not like that, for the Holy One has given you His Spirit, and all of you know the truth. So I'm writing to you not because you don't know the truth, but because you know the difference between truth and lies. And who is a liar? Anyone who says that Jesus is not the Christ... Anyone who denies the Father and the Son is an Antichrist. Anyone who denies the Son doesn't have the Father either. But anyone who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. Now think about that. These, these may not necessarily be bad people, but they, they are not following Jesus. They're, they're saying, hey, Jesus isn't the Son of God. He's not the Messiah. He's, he was a great prophet or teacher but he isn't the son of God, or, or he may be the son of God, but he isn't God, and, and all this other stuff. Or There's a lot of different twists and things that happen. We have some of those same things in our own culture today. And John is warning us that these are antichrists. They are against the church. They are deceiving people by the way they interact and the way they live. And so we want to keep that in mind, that when it says Antichrist, we're not talking about some evil person that's up there clearly leading people away. They're people that are deceiving people, whether intentionally or unintentionally. And so we want to be conscious of that. They, would, they have just enough truth to be dangerous and they confuse people. And it says that they do not love God in the same way. They're, they're teaching things that are contrary to your teachings. I want to give you a modern example and, and, I, and I know some great people in this movement, but I want you to hear something. I want you to understand something because, look, I believe in who Jesus is, that He is the Son of God. And we're going to talk about that in a little bit, that He is the Messiah. But I want you to hear how this is a little bit off. And, and many of you guys are familiar with the Jehovah's Witness. And, and if you're Jehovah's Witness and you're watching this, I don't mean you any harm, but I want you to see the error in the teaching that's there. This is their view of Jesus, right out of their doctrine, right out of their off of their website. It says, We follow the teachings and example of Jesus Christ and honor Him as our Savior and as the Son of God. Now, that's all great. Thus, we are Christians. However, this is where it veers off. We have learned from the Bible that Jesus is not Almighty God. And there is no scripture basis for the Trinity doctrine. Okay. We know, and we're going to talk about this in just a little bit, that even Jesus himself told us to baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The doctrine, this Trinity, the words Trinity, 
show up in Scripture? No, not at all. But the Father, the Son, and the Spirit are one God in three persons. We'll get into that in just a minute. Their doctrine of heaven. This is the one that I think most people are the most surprised about. Jehovah God, Jesus Christ, and the faithful angels reside in the spirit realm. Okay, we all understand that. A relatively small number of people, 144,000, will be resurrected to life in heaven to rule with Jesus in the kingdom. So only 144,000. Did you get that? Only 144,000. And if you go deeper into their belief system, basically you're doing good works to not be annihilated, to basically be slaves to the 144,000 that will rule with, with Jesus, which is contrary to what we see in Scripture. Actually, we've read even in this whole, our own series that we are called the children of God, that we are His possession, that we are His co-heirs, that all of the kingdom we share with Him. So this is just one example how somebody that can, can take the same scriptures, take those same things, and have enough truth that it's, it's enticing, but yet is not accurate. Now, do I think people are intentionally deceiving people? I think they're honest in what they believe. This isn't a, hey, we got to you know, call them out and call them down. I'm just showing the difference. I don't want you to be deceived. I want you to understand who or what you, under, what you believe. And you've got to wrestle with that. You've got to understand it. There are many other things out there that deal with these things. The Unity Church, you've got to be really careful if you ever see anything with unity in it in church. Because the Unity Church, in the true definition, believe that all paths lead to God, and they celebrate it all together as one. And we know from Scripture, we know from other things that that just isn't true. So that's kind of where these warning signs are. And, and it's, I, I don't like negative messages. I don't like to call people out or anything like that. Jesus has called us to love. And I love all of these people, but I don't want them to be deceived. I want them to know the freedom that comes from Christ. I want them to understand that there is only one way through Jesus. And He is the one that gives us that. It's a free gift. We don't have to work to earn it. We don't have to do any of that stuff. So we have to be on guard and make sure we understand what we're being taught what the scriptures say, and base it on the character of Jesus and what we see in scripture as a whole. So the second thing is to remain faithful. Look at verses 24 and 25 of 1 John chapter 2. It says, So you must remain faithful to what you've been taught from the beginning. If you do, you will remain in fellowship with the Son and with the Father. In this fellowship, we enjoy the eternal life He has promised us remaining faithful to what we've been taught. At this point in history, they didn't have all of the Scripture. They didn't have all the things that we do, but we do. We have the Bible. We have so much more that's available to us, but we need to know it. We need to understand it. We need to have the Holy Spirit in us so that we can, can sort through all these things. It can be confusing and difficult. And look, I have no problem with you questioning Anyone questioning what they believe, where their faith is, where it lies? We've got to come to a place where we know what we believe and why we believe it. And there's faith. Yes, there's going to be confusing things. There's going to be things we don't understand. That's where faith comes in. But we have to believe 
in the strength of Scripture. That's why God gave us the Holy Spirit. Here's the basics of what we believe. I just want to give you the basics. I mean, there's so much to this, but just the basics. The first part, we, we believe that God exists in three persons, which I mentioned. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The three are one. Matthew 28, 19, Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The three are one. Each has a distinct role. Each has a distinct purpose. And so, and they've existed, if you, you start at the beginning of John. The Word was, existed before the beginning. The Word was with God, and the Word was God, and we know that Jesus was the Word. Holy Spirit was throughout Scripture. The Holy Spirit was there the whole time, but His purpose is God's active power. We're going to get into that in just a minute. I'll get ahead of myself. The Father sent the Son to show us how to live, to teach us about His kingdom, and to offer His life as a sacrifice for our sins. Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to guide us through this life until He returns. John 3, 16 and 17. For this is how God loved the world. He gave up His only Son so that everyone who believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent His Son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through Him. Salvation only comes through Jesus. And He sent us the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about, like I said, talk about the Holy Spirit in just a minute. He sent us the Holy Spirit so that we would have tools and help in this life. And the last thing, we believe that the Bible is the inspired Word of God. And this comes really out of 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. And it says, All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip His people to do every good work. Scripture as a whole, taking the Old Testament, the New Testament, throughout that history, we see a lot of things that are difficult and understand there's a lot of war and killing and all of that stuff throughout there. But if you take it in a whole and you see the love of God and how He moved His people and what He did through Jesus, that was what He was moving us towards, is to the coming of His Son, who would be our Savior. And even from that point on, sent us out into the world to share that with the world because He doesn't want anyone to perish. He wants us to share His light, His love with as many people as possible. Because ultimately, He doesn't want robots or slaves. He wants us to choose Him the way He chose us. So the challenge we have today is there's so many voices out there. So many of them are great. They would fit into this category that John is talking about. They, they, they're charismatic people. There are a lot of voices. Man, you can Google anything. And, and, and the problem is, is that you've got to sort through and find out if it's true or not. Because just because it comes up on Google doesn't mean that it's accurate. Now we have stuff like AI where people are creating things and throwing it out there. And, and we don't know what is true and what's not true sometimes. And that's why it's so important for us to dig into Scripture and to have the correct information and to understand it in context. I know I hound on that over and over and over again, but we have to be diligent. We have to remain faithful to what God has given us and then live it out in our lives. You know, most of the laws throughout history 
are based on those same biblical moral principles. God has woven that into our culture and into our DNA. We understand it. We're to love and care for the people that are around us. So the last thing is the Holy Spirit is the key to all of this. Remember, I kept saying the Holy Spirit's going to come up. Here's what I want you to understand. 1 John 20 and 21, we read it a minute ago. It says, But you are not like that, for the Holy One has given you His Spirit, the Holy Spirit. And all of you know the truth. So I am writing to you, not because you don't know the truth, but because you know the difference between truth and lies. Now I want you to jump down to verse 27. But you have received the Holy Spirit. He lives within you, so you don't need anyone to teach you what is true. For the Spirit teaches you everything you need to know, and what He teaches you is true. It's not a lie. So just as He taught you, remain faithful in fellowship with Christ. The Holy Spirit. Now, yes, we have pastors and teachers that help us to understand, but we have the Holy Spirit in us to help us to discern what is right and wrong. It's like a spiritual conscience to know, whoa, wait a minute, that doesn't seem to line up. That doesn't seem to be the character of God. I'm going to tell you, even from the years of when I first became a Christian to where I am now, I had to unlearn some things that were bad teaching that I had learned because it didn't line up with the character of who God is and what's actually in Scripture. God has given us the Holy Spirit, His active presence on the earth today. He marks His believers. We read that in Ephesians. He marks us by His Spirit. It's kind of like branding us so you can see the Holy Spirit in us. He grows this fruit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control grows in us. That's fruit of the Spirit. He empowers us. If you look at John, not 1 John, but John. Remember, we went through that whole series last year. I encourage you, if you didn't listen to it, go back to our YouTube channel and, and watch the Reflecting the Light series. It's long, but man, there's some good stuff in there. But in John 14, this is Jesus speaking. John 14, verses 16 through 18, it says... And I will ask the Father, and He will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive Him because it isn't looking for Him and doesn't recognize Him. Remember, the world is in the darkness. But you know Him because He lives with you now and will later be in you. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. That's Jesus speaking before He died saying, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. Now, look down at verse 26. It says, But when the Father sends the Advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, He will teach you everything and remind you of what I have told you. That's the purpose of the Holy Spirit. He's His active power on the earth today, available to all believers, lives in us, and works through us with the Holy Spirit. Jesus gave us the tools we need to know who God is and who God is not and what's not from God and what is. It's called discernment. It's a gift of the Spirit. It's something that we have to really... But the only way we can know this is if we know the Word of God. If we're not studying Scripture, if we're not reading it in context and praying and asking God to reveal it to us and studying it, and studying it together, by the way, the reason we study together is because we can help have some guardrails there. Help us not to get things out of context. Most of the scripture, that, most of the time when people lead people astray, it's because they take scripture out of context. 
and they try to make it say something different than what it was originally intended. And just like with any relationship, we have to spend time with God. We need to hear the voice of God. He speaks to us when we pray and we learn. And it's not necessarily an audible voice. Voice is just the best word we have to describe it. But He will nudge us and guide us. And we can't know that voice if we don't spend time with Him. The more we spend time with Him, the more we pray, the more we learn to that voice and the more we learn to trust it. Because it's just like with any relationship, it takes time to build up that trust. It takes time for us to understand. Now I can hear one of my kids' voices. I can hear my wife's voice. There are certain people in our church, I can hear their voice in a crowd and know exactly who it is and where they're at. Because I know their voice. Same thing with the voice of God. I've had to learn to discern the voice of God so that when I pray over difficult decisions, I can pray and understand that there's a lot of voices in my life, but I want to hear that one voice, like Moses when he was up on the mountain, that whisper. He had to listen and wait for that voice. And then we need to obey it, and He will, he will speak to us. We have to spend time in His Word and in His presence. So as we wrap up today, I want to say, beware. There are antichrists out there. Not those evil ones that, that are trying to destroy everything. They're obvious antichrists. But those that, that are twisting the truth, leading people astray. And they might be good people. They might be your neighbor, your friend. You have to guard your heart. doesn't mean you hate them. But you have to guard your heart for the truth. And to know it. To understand it. And to wrestle with it. And to be firm in it. That's our journey where we're always wrestling and learning and understanding. But we have to know the Word of God and beware of those that are trying to lead us away. The second thing, again, I said, know the Scripture and know the voice of God. That only comes through time, study, and spending time with Him. And the last thing is something we always talk about. God didn't call us to make uh, churches. He called us to make disciples. Share the love of Jesus with everyone you know. I'm not talking about preaching with them, I'm not preaching to them, I'm not talking about telling them where they're wrong or what they're doing, uh, what they're doing wrong, but loving them exactly where they're at and drawing them into the love of God. Sharing life with one another, doing community with your church family, and inviting people to the table so that they can meet Jesus. That's our goal. We're on this journey together. We don't have it all right. We don't have it all figured out. But what I do know is Jesus is God. He's a part of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. It's one God. And I trust in Him. He's been faithful. Lean into that. Understand it. Get to know the Scripture for yourself. We love you and we want to pray for you. If you have questions, please hit the, the prayer button and, and open up a chat and, and ask those questions. We may not have the answer immediately. We may have to research and pray and figure it out. But we want to do life with you. We want to be on this journey with you. Because, man, this life is short, but eternity is forever. And I want to spend it with you as we celebrate in heaven as we walk into our inheritance with Jesus. I don't know what it'll look like, but I know it'll be far better than we can imagine. 
Let's pray. Father, I thank you for what you're doing. I thank you for sending Jesus to show us what love is, to die for our sins, to resurrect into life and to, to call us your own. Thank you. Thank you for sending us the Holy Spirit so that we can understand and discern and to help us through this crazy life that we live in. Lord, I pray that you would be with each person that's on this, watching this video, that you would touch them today, that you would give them a passion to know you more. If they're confused, if they're struggling, Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would help guide them, lead them to places they can get answers, help them to dig into the Word of God today. Fill us with your Holy Spirit, I pray. And Lord, go before us in all that we do. Help us to reflect you well. Help us to draw others into your presence become mindful of you. And we thank you for what you're doing. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for taking the time to worship with us today. I know that you may have a lot of questions. Please allow us to answer those questions or give us an opportunity to, to learn and to research together. And again, you can always go to our website and email us from there or just give us a call throughout the week. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you again for taking the time to worship with us, and we'll see you again next week.